You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlis, and maybe somebody else. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 22 for November 12th, 2007. I'm the notorious Mark Spagnolo. And I'm the uh, infamous Matt That's Vanderlis. That's That'll work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So and <laughs> uh, if you have a question for the notorious or the infamous, uh, uh, you can get that question, comment, um, feedback, what have you. You can email us at either at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Well, that's where you can email us. Or you can t- contact us on a phone. Just get, pick up your phone, kind of dial the numbers, mm-hmm. and that would be 623 623- Two four two two four five zero, and leave us a voicemail uh, again with your comment, question, suggestion, feedback, um, all that good stuff. Perfect, so, anyways, perfect. though, what's going on, buddy? What's up? Oh, geez, I am uh, this week. Well, not as much shop time as I like. I, I had a little project I was working on for a while. Uh, some of the people who stopped into live cam got to see what I was working on. Just a little uh, under the extension table uh, cabinet for storage of blades and jigs and uh, all the little you know, doodads that we never have a really good place for. So, um, special project that I'm working on. It's top secret. So I can't say anything, especially like I am right now. Um, <laughs> you know, so if, if those who actually caught it, then do you have to go out and kill them? Do you know uh, I have a, uh, I, I have a, uh, Samurai warrior on the way to each one of them right now. So oh. <laughs> yeah, you got to take care of business, Matt. So um, I've right. been doing that. And uh, unfortunately, I had to stop because I needed to start doing uh, all the preparation work for the uh, three-day seminar that we're doing in Oklahoma oh. coming up next week. Oklahoma, where the wind yeah. and Mark come running down the plains. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think while I'm there, I might just do that. I might find a plane and run down it. <laughs> um, but they, uh, the Tulsa Woodworkers Association out there, it's TulsaWoodworkers.org, um, is having this pretty cool event, a uh, three-day little seminar deal, Friday night, all day Saturday, and then there's a class on Sunday on uh, router-based uh, inlay techniques, decorative inlay. Oh, wow. uh, so, so again, TulsaWoodworkers.org, if you want details on that, if you're in Oklahoma or somewhere in that vicinity and you want to stop by, it should be a pretty cool event. It's uh, definitely the first kind of thing that, that sort of long format that i'm doing so it's it's a little bit different than what i'm used to um so in order to to uh you know help me get through that i'm doing you know getting some nice presentations together and putting a bunch of documentation together that should help me uh fill up eight hours a day there you go now is this like one of those where you're kind of are you psyching yourself out? You're imagining people in their underwear, which probably is not a great <laughs> thing for most woodworkers. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the crowd of woodworkers is not exactly the uh, the, the people I want to picture naked, but um, the amusement factor could be there. So that that's a possibility. You know, the one thing is that I've gotten over. I used to be very shy and I used to have a, a huge fear of public speaking. And for some reason, I don't know what what it is. I think it's the subject matter mm-hmm. um, because I enjoy woodworking. I enjoy talking about woodworking. It doesn't matter to me whether I'm talking to you, you know, over Skype or whether I'm talking to, uh, you know, 150 people in uh, in a convention. Uh, well, 150 people is kind of small for a convention center, but you know what I mean. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a big crowd and a small crowd. Um, I'm kind of comfortable talking with these people. And I think it's, you know, we're all just woodworkers. It's um, it's not me giving a, a presidential speech. You know, it's not it's not like I have to memorize it. It's just me discussing techniques that work for me getting the feedback directly from the people and, uh, you know, and the conversation moves on. So right. um, it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good time. Yeah, definitely. Although I have a hard time imagining you not being a good, you know, a public speaker, but you know, then again, it's, <laughs> you're on the, you know, on, on your show and it's pretty easy to, as I know when I put my shows together, it, we've got a camera, that's it. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it, it's perfect for an introvert who always wanted to be kind of the center of attention because you can sit, you're still alone you you just have to have the you know the 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 gonads to uh to upload it to the internet and just let people view it um right. if if you can get past that barrier then there there's really nothing to it but you know again like i said ask you can even ask my mom i was a very shy little boy oh man it's always well, the last person in a group of people always the last person to to talk wow you know the, that information combined with something we got a few weeks ago with you uh, being the, the good son, apparently, with your brother being the troublemaker, <laughs> yeah. we're really starting to get a big picture There's of There's definitely <laughs> a image that we're forming here, very clear image. And, uh, yeah, it was a typical mama's boy, didn't want to leave home kind of kid. I, I still don't want to leave home, but that's a whole other issue that I have. 
Yeah, that's, you know, I, I was very similar. You may, remember the movie uh, 16 Candles and there's the dance and the kids, the parents show up with the kid and they throw him in. He's like, no, I want to stay home with you. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be bad. Very bad. Yeah. So how so, about on uh, your end of the uh, the country there? What, what's going on with you? Well, you know, now that the colder weather is definitely kicking in, it is shop time, as we've talked about so many times. So I'm getting my shop really set up. I'm working on a couple of things. But this weekend, we actually had a wood show here in, well, in the greater Grand Rapids area, which is like the big town a little mm -hmm. bit uh, east of me. Okay. And I happened to uh, head in there, and I, I caught a couple of seminars, a couple of freebies. And, and uh, I had mentioned on my show that I was going to go to it. I was going to wear my Matt's Basement Workshop podcast T-shirt, which my wife's oh. like, you're pathetic. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you know, if you happen to see me, just just come up and say hi. And actually had a listener come up and say hi. And and it was funny because I had rehearsed the whole way out there. Like I was, <laughs> I guess, in my own little kingdom imagination, I was going to be greeted at the door by throngs of listeners. <laughs> and I think that was more like, you know, what the hell's that guy wearing? Who's he think he <laughs> Who is? is? That guy? <laughs> Wow. But this guy was – the gentleman was very nice, and unfortunately, I did not catch his name because I was so uh, thrown backwards by the <laughs> fact that somebody actually recognized me. And when he came up and I was standing there, a pile of lumber because I was getting ready to pick up some for a project that I'm starting, and I was uh -huh. looking at it. And so he's like – he came over with his wife, and he had uh, two sons, and they more or less kind of like um, – are you Matt from Matt's Basement Workshop podcast? <laughs> and play that little voice in my head's like, <laughs> um, uh, yes, I am. Uh, hi, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was it was my highlight of my moment. I, I my, the funny thing is, I even brought a camera just in case there was going to be those throngs. I would take yeah. pictures so we could share with everybody. Pictures so, of you running down the street and and girls ripping your clothes off as you're trying to get away. Yes, I had beetle moments where I was thinking, you know, they were going to have to usher me to the airport to get me safely back home. So now, did you turn to your wife afterwards and just give her that kind of yeah, that's right. Well, she wasn't with me, but I did call her. It was like about shortly after he, him and his family had uh, walked into another room. I quickly jumped on the phone and was like, you're never going to believe what happened. And she's like, you're making it up. <laughs> she doesn't believe you. No, so that's it's still going on. It's like I, I want to tell uh, more of my friends, but my wife's like, don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> so I knew everybody else here, though, could totally appreciate it. So i like to thank that listener. I'm sorry I didn't get Great. your name, but trust me, it was one of those moments where I was just so like, <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we we do this all the time, and and I imagine people know us pretty well. Um, you know, not, we're certainly not putting on an act when we when we talk. You know, we're not, especially with the the shows that we do on our you know our own shows. We're not, you know, that's who we are. So it's it's really interesting to meet people in person, and they know you, whether you know right. it or not. They know you, and they they, yeah. know who, they they know your family almost. I mean, especially me. I put I put my family in the show all the time. Um, you know, so it, you can immediately start this conversation and, and sort of have this camaraderie with people, which is really, really cool. A little freaky at first, but it's great. It's a really, really cool opportunity. That's that's really exciting. It is. It, it really is. And that's what, uh, you know, I had said something about I told my wife afterwards. I'm like, well, you know, we're heading back over to your mom's house, which is on the other side of the state. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I always go to the Woodcraft store there. Maybe I should announce that I'm going to be in town. <laughs> and she's like, don't push your luck. I'm like, all right, I won't. <laughs> yeah, that's when you start showing up and you're the only one sitting there drinking your coffee, just waiting for, <laughs> waiting for your what, fans to show up. And I'm always like trying to talk to the people at the counter going, do you know who I am? And they're like, weirdo. <laughs> Don't don't I get free coffee up in this place? Uh, yeah, exactly. And they're like, yeah, it's back there where it says free coffee. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude, that's great. Well, congratulations. That's well, that's really a, a weird feeling to be recognized, but that that's definitely got it's got to happen sometime, man. You know, right? We're and I did famous. have a pen with me in case he wanted an autograph, but he was kind of giving me that look, like, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, dude. Well, hey, you know, I do have a couple updates that I wanted to. Uh, well, a major update, I suppose, uh, for what's you know going to happen here at Wood Talk Online. Now, oh yeah, uh, as as you know, of course, Matt, and most of the uh, listeners know, we we sort of started this as a side project for both of us, and mm -hmm. Wood Talk Online, the audio show, um, has kind of consistently chugged along at you know one, two, maybe three episodes a month, uh, get them out as much as we can, but pretty regular. I don't think we've had a major break at any uh, given time. And uh, no. we want to continue to do that. I, I think this is feasible. And, and in fact, I would like to, and I've said it before, and I, it's kind of sounding like an empty promise now, but I really do want to explain, you know, expand what this show does. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, because woodtalkonline.com was serving sort of just as an empty placeholder for the show, um, really just a place for us to put the show notes, 
it seemed awfully boring to me and I really wanted to do something more with it. So I came up with the idea for that collaborative blog. And I had people like Tom Ivino and uh, and Gail O'Rourke, uh, and of course Kaleo's been contributing a lot, and some other people. Um, you know, we've all been trying to write articles for this thing and keep it running. The problem is, I can't pay people. You know, this this is out of the the kindness of their hearts that they were actually contributing to this. And uh, you know, as a result, I can't necessarily expect people to produce content on you know an, an extremely regular basis, which is what that site needs to to do what I expected it to do. Um, I think the only person um, who has enough to say uh, to write an article at least a couple a week would be Tom. Oh, Um, you're kidding me. I haven't noticed. (laughs) Yeah, that guy, uh, he he just pushes out articles like a Pez dispenser. It's great. Um, But yeah, I mean, and they're good articles. And that's exactly the type of commentary that I wanted on the site. But the problem is it was quickly becoming Tom's blog. Right. You know, and, and that's fine. Tom deserves to have a blog. Yeah, he's, but... <laughs> he's got some funny stuff to say, definitely. There's no getting around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. So anyway, uh, trying to make a long story short here, um, I've come up with a little bit of a different idea. And the the, the landscape is going to change a little bit. Wood Talk Online, the show, will always be here. The same feed, no problems there. I think what we're going to do, though, is have the uh, woodtalkonline.com URL forward to a place that's within the Wood Whisperer that will give you the show notes. And I also want you, you know, Matt, to have the show notes on his site. So when people want to see the details, they can get them. They can also listen to the show on your site and mm-hmm. on my site. But that show will not go into either of our feeds. None, none of that's going to change. I want it to continue that way because I don't want people to have to, re, you know, have uh, redundant downloads. So right. they, will, they will still download the same thing that they've always downloaded. Um, you know, but if they want the show notes, they could go to either one of our sites to get that information. Um, what's going to happen with the articles now? Because I don't want that to go away. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there were some killer articles on there that they wrote, and they I'd were. like to uh, I'd like to continue to let people have that opportunity to have a voice and have that voice heard by not only my audience but your audience, the Wood Talk Online audience, and then of course their own people. Um, so what I started to think is maybe what we should do is develop a blog network, essentially. Okay. Um, Probably would be called the Wood Whisperer Network because I don't know what else to call it. Uh, <laughs> it's very original. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I've worked very hard on that. Uh, you know, and then what we would do is, is sort of group together, um, you know, a, a group of, I would say, a loose organization of websites uh, and blogs that are dedicated to talking about woodworking and teaching woodworking. And, uh, you know, we could basically, it's like a traffic share type thing. Everybody's associated with one another. It's a, a one-stop shop for some really, really great blogs. And then I don't have to worry about the blogs on an individual basis. If, if they want to post every day, let them post every day. If they want to post once a month, that's fine too. doesn't affect me because they're handling their own situation, but they are part of the blog network. Um, so th- I think that's where we're headed right now. And we're trying to convert that. So if you haven't seen the articles on woodtalkonline.com, that's why we're in the middle of a transition at this point. Right. Yeah, definitely. No, that sounds like a fantastic idea because you're right. There have been some really, really great articles. And, you know, I mean, the ones from Kaleo, definitely. Uh, Tom keeps me cracking up every single time because I think a lot of it is for so many of us, some of the stuff that Tom talks about is just like one of those, whether we want to admit how ridiculous it is a few times, you're like, I've done that. I know I've done that. Yeah, exactly. So it's a great idea to, yeah, get get a collaborative thing going. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes. It could open up some commercial opportunities for. Uh, you know, some of the bloggers who may not otherwise know how to get those things, I could start getting that stuff together. Um, you know, but all in all, I think it's just good for people to have a place to go where they can see it almost as a launching point to, you know, and I don't want it to be a huge thing, but a launching point to maybe five or six blogs, you know, that are, that are regularly contributed to and have a regular uh, steady amount of content. It could could be a very good thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, this is going to be sweet to see how this grows. It's yeah, definitely so, interesting. Yeah, we'll keep you posted. So yeah. um, moving oh, on I get to – uh, Posted. <laughs> yeah, wah, wah, wah. Nice. I keep y'all posted. Um, moving into our emails. Okay. We are getting less and less emails and more and more voicemails. Oh, um, sweet, because that I means like that's that. less opportunity for me to really mess things up. Well, good, it is hard. People. I mean, the, the screen is a little far away because of where the microphone is, and I actually have trouble reading through these things, too. So it's, um, you know, voicemails are, are a good thing. So um, I think we'll jump right into it, though. We've got one here from Big Ben, who says, uh, hey, Mark and Matt, great show. Appreciate all the work that the two of you put into it. I was recently doing some research on dust collection and ran across a website by Bill Pence. 
That would be, uh, we'll put this in the show notes, of course, but it's um, BillPence.com. That's B-I-L-L-P-E-N-T-Z.com slash woodworking slash cyclone. Uh, looks like, oh, slash index.cfm. Again, show notes. That's a long address. Uh, he says, Bill makes a couple of points. One, that sawdust, particularly very fine dust, is a big health problem. And number two, uh, just about any dust collection system on the market sold to hobbyists is woefully inadequate at managing the dust. Certainly, I think that Bill makes some good points, but I'm looking for some second opinions. Buying a dust collector with a 5-horsepower motor and running 6-inch ductwork to all of my tools just isn't going to happen for many reasons. Are you familiar with Bill's discussion? What are your thoughts? Thanks, Ben. Now, I am familiar with Bill's work, and um, you know he's actually created quite a few waves in the, the hobbyist world of woodworking and uh, as it concerns dust collection. Uh, do a couple... Uh, forum searches you'll find a ton of uh, conversations about his you know citing the research quote-unquote research that he's done um you know the thing is there is a lot of good information there the point with this you know that i would want to stress to people do not get so caught up in the details here because if you really get into the stuff that's on the site and you really take the time to to start looking at all those numbers and comparing the different brands and things like that you're going to be in cyclone hell because you will not be able to make a good solid decision on which one to buy because you're going to be so uptight about the details. And, and I can't stand when that happens with tools. The bottom line is, as far as I'm concerned, you always really need to protect yourself. Uh, you should never really count on your dust collector or shop vac or anything to completely collect the dust, especially the most dangerous dust out of the air. And I think if, if you think your system is doing that, you might want to double check because there's probably stuff, obviously you're not going to see it, but it's in the air. So I think you should protect yourself no matter what. Um, but to get to, you know, so hung up on all these details, it just to me would be discouraging as a person who's looking for a new system. Um, I, I don't know. I, I always have a, a little bit of a negative feeling after I read some of the stuff on his website, although the message is very good because mm-hmm. it says, hey, you need to be really concerned about this stuff. Right, and that that really is the the take home thing. Like like you said, you know, you you if you're concerned about it, and everybody should be concerned about it because, you know, the fine dust is perhaps one of the 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 worst things that you can be dealing with. Because really, you know, chips you can see them, shavings you can see them, and some of the bigger dust you can see them. But this really really fine dust that seems to be the main concern here, getting that out of the air. Right. That's the stuff that will coat the inside of your lungs and cause you know long term health issues down the road. But you're right, it, it's it's not just one level of protection. You're your dust collection system is only going to go so far. So it, it is, it's up to the, the woodworker, no matter whether you're the home woodworker professional, whatever, to take as many precautions as necessary, you know, to, whether it is wearing a, a dust mask or what have you, just to make sure that you're taken care of. And there's some simple stuff as, you know, I, I think I even saw just a quick snippet here. Like when you're sanding or something like that, between, you know, finishing the sanding, you could simply just walk away and wait for the stuff to settle rather than right. take your dust mask off and actually be breathing this this dust that's been, you know, kicked up all over the place. Yeah. And, and this is very true for just about any type of tool. You can get somebody who finds just tons of information and really overwhelm yourself. And then the next thing you know, you're you're making so many not necessarily bad decisions, but you're having such a hard time making the right decision that works for you that you're lost. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that the, the take home message that you want to get from that site, you know, and, and I give him all the credit in the world for doing all the work that he's uh, done. Um, but I think there's a false sense of security when you see a website like that, that looks very scientific. Uh, there's a lot of charts, there's a lot of numbers, um, but you have to also be aware. And, and I don't mean to knock the man's credibility because I think he's done some great things there, but he's, you know, to my knowledge is not a qualified person to be testing this stuff. Right. Um, if you ask some of the companies and of course, you know, whatever, it's all competition. I understand that. But if you talk to someone at Oneida, you may get a very different perspective about who this guy is and what they think about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you have to be very careful about what you read but at the same time, valuable take-home message that I, at least from what I've read his site, what I've gotten, you need to collect the dust at the source. Once right. that stuff is airborne, it's too late. You know, So you do need a decent, powerful dust collector, whether it's a roll-around unit to each individual machine or a ducted unit. You need it to be powerful enough to collect the dust at the source, and you have to just be very aware of that super fine uh, particle, uh, you know, dust that gets into the air. So you have to have the right filter on your system and you should probably give yourself that secondary layer of protection with the respirator. Right. 
Yeah, so absolutely. That would be, I would think, the take-home message there. And again, please don't just don't get. I mean, if you if it's you like it, <laughs> you like what you're reading there, keep reading it. But um, if you start finding yourself getting a little bit, um, you know, intimidated by all the the jargon and numbers and stuff, then then just stop and and just go back to a common sense approach to the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. If if you feel like you're getting overwhelmed or anything, go to the basics. The basics will never, you know, t- steer you wrong. Yep. So sweet. All right. All right. I think we're ready to move on to the next email. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see here. We have Chuck. Who, uh, let's see here. Chuck says, hey, guys, first off, I love the show. I'm also a longtime listener of the Wood Whisperer and Matt's Basement Workshop. You guys do a great job. Now to the question. Actually, two of them. Do you guys prefer to use the table saw or a miter saw to make cross cuts? It seems to me, and I could be wrong, that most professional woodworkers do all their cross cutting on the table saw. Yep, you're wrong. Uh, yeah, oh, okay, good. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> Mark, <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, long pieces, isn't the chop saw easier? What do you guys use? So let's do number one first. So you say wrong. Okay, so I think that answers it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wrong. Uh, question number two. In the day of cheap disposable furniture, do you guys experience a lot of – oh, okay, so let me go back to number one. Yeah. So which one do I use? I use my, uh, my, my miter saw more often than I do the table saw, and I think I, a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, I have a really crappy miter, sle- or miter uh, gauge, okay. and even with my miter sled, it's still sometimes I don't feel like I get the best results, but – Right. The, the miter saw, once you've got it set up the right way and you've got all, you know, you're making sure that you're getting 90 degree cuts accurate with the fence and everything else, the, the uh, miter saw will definitely do easily 90, 95 percent of my cross cuts uh, cuts. Now, occasionally I will run into something where um, I have my cross cut. My miter saw isn't uh, long enough really to take care of the board. So I have a 12 inch one. So I can get like about nine inches on on the 90 degree. So uh, if mm-hmm. I have like a 10, 11 inch board, I need to start looking at other techniques. So that's usually maybe where, if possible, I go to the the table saw. But more than likely, it's definitely the the miter saw. And that sounds like the same for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Um, I think in our discussion maybe one or two episodes ago about jigs and stuff, I, th- I think I mentioned how having the sliding compound miter saw um, in the shop has completely changed the way I do cross cuts and, and I don't even use my miter sled anymore. Like I mentioned before, it's, it's actually disassembled at this point and uh, I barely touch my miter gauge. Um, I just find it more accurate and uh, safer actually mm-hmm. when I do it there. It, it, there's something about when I'm making these cuts um, and I'm moving the work piece across the surface, it seems like there's more opportunity for something to get knocked a little bit out of place uh, whereas, you know, on a miter saw, the workpiece is standing perfectly still and you're moving the blade over the workpiece. And it, to me, in my shop, that is my favorite way to do cross cuts. Right. Absolutely. So that's just us. That doesn't mean that uh, other people, you know, he, his observation may be right uh, from what he's seen. But uh, obviously you and I both kind of uh, agree on that particular uh, method. Right. Yeah. I'm sure if I had like a... Um a uh, sliding uh, miter fence. Like uh, I know Neil has one over at Furnitology uh-huh. and a few other ones. I might think about that, but yeah, definitely the chop saw, right. uh, miter saw, whatever you want to call it, tomato, tomato. Same thing. Uh, let's see here. Question number two. In the day of cheap disposable furniture, do you guys experience a lot of sticker shock when you quote a project? Obviously, the stuff you guys produce warrants the higher price, but do people uh, but do people get it? Would you ever lower your standards and use, for example, particle board just to get a sale? Uh, thanks for reading this and keeping up the good work. Uh, first of all, sticker shock. Well, actually, no. First, let me do lower standards. I lower my standards constantly in the shop. <laughs> I try to keep but, them as low as possible. <laughs> that's right. So people are constantly amazed at the projects that I create. <laughs> but uh, no, definitely particle board is not something that would ever go in my shop, but it's not because it can't be used the right way. I don't have the tools that would give me the results with particle board. Sure. Um, and I definitely, it's, it's just, I, I really want to stick to more solid wood, plywood kind of a thing. Particle board's not not for me. Um, and when it comes to sticker shock, the occasional project that I have had family and friends uh, want me to build for them, especially friends that maybe I don't like so much, uh, <laughs> I do get that that sticker shock of, what are you talking about? Right. And I think we've, we've mentioned this so many times. It's yeah. that idea that, you know, like, oh, well, it's custom, so therefore somehow it's supposed to be cheaper right and uh yeah no not necessarily the situation <laughs> yeah i get the sticker shock all the time when i give uh you know customers prices and it really depends on the individual i mean you you'll run the gamut in terms of uh what kind of responses you get from people um you know you get people who are completely shocked and say well no i can't afford that um you'll get people who 
you know, they want to haggle you down just a little bit. It's a little bit more expensive than they were hoping, but they still realize the value of the work and they're willing to pay for it. Uh, They just don't, you know, they just want to knock you down a hundred bucks so they can feel good about themselves. Um, You know, then there's also the people who it's just, you know, they don't even think twice about it. This is, I want your work. And if those are the best customers to get, I want, you know, I want your craftsmanship and I'm willing to pay whatever your price is for that. Um, If you get that, you're lucky. I got, I've got one of those. And that, that my big armoire customer um, is a guy that I've worked with a lot in the past. And he is customer for life. I mean, I've, I've done right by him in the past. We've done a number of projects together. Um, and he's been so happy with the results. He will probably pay, you know, whatever my fee is. Um, right. Not to say that I'm going to overcharge the person. You can't take advantage of a situation like that. But you know, you're not really going to get a fight when you say, all right, here's the estimate. Right. You have somebody who understands, a customer who actually understands what it is that they're getting. Yeah. yeah. And, and really, I think what the one of the one things I'm getting from this question, from where he's kind of going with this and our discussions before, is I think because of the, this era of cheap furniture where people are able to just run down to your local like Target or Walmart yeah. or what have you and get this, you know, knock together furniture kind of stuff, people really have lost sight of what really good quality furniture is not like i'm trying to say i make really good quality furniture there's a few pieces that are definitely one of those don't lean on that <laughs> you know <laughs> you know that kind of a thing but at the same time it's just that understanding of you know what what the big difference is and that's yeah it, it is good to find a customer who understands yeah. that yeah and i would say to answer the second part of his question for me um i well lowering standards is one thing i mean uh, to, to lower my standards would be to build a piece of crap. I could still build a pretty good piece of furniture out of cheaper, less expensive materials. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't demand that my customers use specific materials. There may be some things that I won't build with, but for the most part, if they wanted it made out of one thing, and I know that doing it with a slightly different material could save them money. Um, you know, if they want, they want to save a few bucks. You know, there's a lot of ways you can do it that don't necessarily mean it's cheaper. You know, but for instance, if you're making, uh, you know, like a frame and panel door of some sort or just a regular, you know, very simple frame and panel door, you know, you could buy pre-made, um, you know, strips for the rails and styles and just cut miters on the corner instead of actually trying to cut, you know, mortise and tenon joinery, um, mm-hmm. you know, and save money. So it's it's a cheaper method, probably not as good in terms of structurally being sound. But if it's going on a little entertainment center and they're not really going to be used very much, that may be a way to save a few bucks for the customer or... um you know, if they want it to look like walnut, but they don't want to pay for walnut, you might have to use something like alder and then dye it to look like walnut. And, you know, I do that all the time. So that I don't consider that necessarily lowering my standards as opposed to being a little bit more frugal and uh, clever with the materials you use. Right. Yeah, I was just going to say that along with that idea of clever, that's that's a, a true artisan when it comes down to it. It's the fact that you can do all these different things and have the the, the final result be exactly what the customer is looking for. So you hope. So you yeah, hope. exactly. Until they show up and go, what the hell is that? Well, yeah, I've, and I, I don't want to get off on a tangent too far here, but uh, my buddy Cody that runs the uh, refinishing shop down in Phoenix, he had refinished a big blanket chest and it was made of um, – I believe it was a nice mahogany and it got a good amount of stain and you know i didn't really like the finish but he he caked a good amount of uh lacquer uh, on top and put several layers the problem was he made it high gloss and the um the finish that was on there before was just you know probably similar in terms of layers and layers of lacquer but it was all smooth and whatever whatever had been done it had filled the grain so the customer had no idea what grain was um, so when, when Cody finished this thing, it was high gloss and it, he didn't do anything to do a pore fill process on it. So it was pitted and he thought it looked okay. And personally, I hate the way a high gloss finish looks on anything that has pores or grain. Okay. Um, and that's usually a good rule of thumb for people cause it looks weird. Um, but anyway, customer comes in and he flips out. He's like, this is all wrong. He said, I don't, why does it look like crap? Like he, he didn't know how to voice it or what words to put with it. But he knew it didn't look right at all. Okay. Um, so he had to go back through into a pore filling procedure and then refinish it again. So a um, little bit of a lesson learned there. But um, wh- wh- why did I do that? Why did I go into that story? Uh, let's see. That was because we went on a tangent. <laughs> no, why that was the, that? The, uh, the idea of um... – <laughs> You know, the, being the artisan and the craftsman, being able to take you know maybe the um, different materials and make them look 
you yeah. know, like you know, try to help the customer save a few dollars or to work with different material kind of a thing. That's yeah, I still don't see. How, I still don't see how I got there, but um, that's okay. That's okay. We were following right along with you. We were right behind you, man. Keep on going. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen back because I want to know where the hell that came from. All right. Anyway, uh, I think we've got some voicemails. All right. Our favorite time of day. Yeah. Um, we've got one here from Chuck, and I think Chuck, this might be the same Chuck that just, uh, the, the question that we just answered. But... All these damn double dippers. <sighs> Chuck, one answer, one question at a time, Chuck. Come on. Um, he asked a question actually about the Festool uh, system and, and whether it's a good replacement for a table saw. Um, okay. Let's have a listen. Hey, guys. This is Chuck from Iowa. I attended a uh, tool show yesterday, and they uh, were doing the Festool uh, uh, activities, and uh, he was showing us that the Festool saw, the TS-55, can replace the table saw in the shop. And I'm just wondering... What are your guys' thoughts? Would it completely eliminate the table saw or or not? Thanks anyway, and please keep the shows going. It's a great uh, show. Thanks. Bye. All right. Uh, well, I, let me, let me start. I mean, obviously, everybody knows that Festool is a sponsor, um, but I've always been um, uh, as as honest as I possibly can be about the, the materials that they sell and trying not to um, – you know, to to overplay my position, but um, right. I think Festool is great. But I think they're a, a tool company. They want to sell tools, and um, you know, in certain scenarios, if you're in a tight situation and you're looking for a small space solution that will give you, you know, maybe ninety percent of the functionality of a table saw, I think the uh, TS55 and an MFT, the multifunction table, make a killer combination, and a and probably where I would put my money. If I was in a similar small shop setup uh, situation like that, you know, maybe maybe we talked about the people in apartments trying to use a back room. Right. Um, you know, you've got that killer dust collection. You can do, you know, just about everything that you can do. Maybe even you can I would even venture to say that you can probably figure out a way to do everything you would do on a table saw on the MFT. Kind of like the salesperson was saying mm-hmm. where where I tend to disagree a little bit is I don't think those are great ways to do those things. You know, so when we're talking about things like cross-cutting small parts, that's a place where that tool gets a little bit limited. Um, right. You know, I've even tried to do it myself uh, for, you know, just experimentation purposes, and it's a little bit trickier. It's not as easy as throwing a piece up there, getting your, your miter gauge, cut one, cut two, cut three, and you're done. Um, it takes a little bit more thought to to actually make it work. So, yes, technically, it can be a replacement. Is it a suitable replacement for a table saw? Um, Not if you've got the room for a table saw or or in the budget for a table saw. Right. Yeah, definitely. There's so many things that the table saw does so well that you just count on it. It's the heart and soul of the workshop. I think the MFT is a, you know, and and the, the circular saw is a, especially in my shop now, is a key and integral um, you know, thing that's, that's now a part of my shop, mm-hmm. but I, I would, I would be very upset if I lost my table saw. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, so- absolutely. Yeah. Cause the table saw can do so much and you're right. I, I think even with, with the festival system, there is some limitations to it. Cause I couldn't imagine taking really thin cuts with, with the festival. I, mean, I, I might be wrong. I haven't really, I've never used it. Uh, I've, I've seen a couple of demonstrations with it, but I don't know if I would trust it enough to get like really kind of thin, like edge banding kind of a yeah. situation, you know, where you can occasionally do it with your table saw. Sure. And, um, you and know, I that think kind of you're, stuff. you're limited in terms of thickness. You know, the, the back bar that you rest the material up against is, um, what is it? A little bit over, I believe it's a little bit over a quarter inch, uh, thick. So if you have anything less than a quarter inch, you've got a gap between the, um, the saw guide and your workpiece that you okay. have to figure out what to do with. Um, you know, if you're cutting dados and things like that, obviously you're not going to put a dado blade on that saw. That would be um, really interesting though. <laughs> sure would. Um, but you know, you can cut a dado on there, but my point is it's a lot easier on a table saw. So, um, yeah, certainly possible, but is it a smart way to go? I don't know. I think the true power of the Festool system is being incorporated into a shop. Um, you know, but again, it's pressed for space then I think you might want to go with that system. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are key, <clears throat> excuse me, key tools that are essential to most shops. And then you've got the, you know, the, the like the Festool system that would definitely be a big help. Yeah. In, in, Huge in, enhancement. You know, 
Exactly. You know, I think it would be great for, you know, cutting uh, large plywood sheets, definitely. Or again, like I said, I haven't, I, I don't have it, but um, I have envied it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, envied, I've envied it from a distance. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I do covet it when I walk in and go, hello, Festool, <laughs> you and I shall be together soon. <laughs> one day, one day you'll be mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So are we ready to move on to the next voicemail? Yeah, here we go. This All right. is, uh, who's this uh, from? Darryl. This would be Daryl. All right, here we go. I don't even know that we have a good answer for Daryl, but I'm going to play this one anyway. Let's do it. I'm crazy. Hey, Matt, Mark, Daryl Cohn of Frankfurt again. You mentioned one time on one of your podcasts a website where you could go and get dimensions for furniture and ratios. And I was wanting to find out, I'm trying to build some chairs for our um, uh, kitchen um, uh, cabinet and was trying to find out the right height that I would need uh, for the bar area, which is 36 inches above the finished floor. Um, maybe you could give me that website again or maybe touch basis on how you figure out what kind of ratio to make between the seat and the top. Uh, I've tried to figure that out. don't have it quite so any help would be appreciated. Thanks. Have a great day. What the okay. hell is he talking about? Oh, uh, let's see. You know what? He, do you he, remember? I, <laughs> he, I, you know, there was that one thing. Do you remember that one thing? I don't. I, I, I do not. Uh, I think the website he's talking about, and I'm pretty sure I know we had maybe had mentioned this a long time ago. You know what? No, I don't want to mention it. We're going to keep it as a secret. Let's move on to the next question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, it's uh, woodbin.com. Um, they have when you go to the when you come right up to the home page, uh, there is a section on the left hand side, and it says furniture standards. And oh. when you when you click on that, and uh, it you brings up and it has an index of like beds, cabinets, chairs, desks, yeah. shelves, tables are the the main ones. So I clicked on chairs, brings it up, and it's got chair design guidelines, and he's got this really laid out really nicely, giving you ideas of how high the seats should be, how you know low they should be from right. like a, a bar and stuff and dimensions for the average size adults. Okay. So I think this might be the – in fact, actually, yeah, here's one right here for specifications for different types of seats, and uh, bar stool comes right up on it. So uh, I think this would be the place to go. So woodbin.com, definitely. Cool, and I, and I can tell you what I do. This is a little bit more Neanderthal of a method, but when I need to build something, I actually will go to a furniture store – with a tape measure and I will sit down and they think I'm measuring to see if it'll fit in a particular space, but I'm just finding out, is this seat comfortable? How does this seat relate to the bar that it's sitting next to? And, uh, just basically steal the information that way. Well, no, 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 that's not stealing because I do it too. I borrow it. I borrow <laughs> through, that information. Go through the catalogs or if I really don't like the place, I walk in, I take the pictures and I, I do the stuff and I go, I'm putting you out of business. And then I walk <laughs> <Right>. out. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, if you're, you know, if your family is, uh, a lot of NBA players, you know, or so you might have to break the general rules, you know? So if you guys happen to be a tall or a short family, you may want to go to these places and, and size these up yourself because the, the general numbers may not work for you. So right. uh, you're, you're building it custom to begin with. You may as well make it work as good as it can in your family. So it doesn't hurt to go to those places and borrow that information. That's right. We receive the catalogs periodically in our house, and I like to refer to them as inspiration. Inspiration catalogs. I do that too. Yep. All right. Speaking of inspiration, I'm very inspired by barbecue, as you know. Oh, and, yes, uh, we do. Believe it or not, we've got a barbecue-related uh, question here from Scott. So uh, let's have a listen. Hello, Mark and Matt. This is Scott calling from Germany. I just bought a wood smoker yesterday getting ready for Thanksgiving, and I know Mark is a barbecue nut. Don't know if you've ever tried smoking or not, but I would like to use up some of the scrap wood in my basement, but I don't know what woods are dangerous, and Lord knows I don't want to poison my family and friends on Thanksgiving. So I'm wondering if you know a source for what woods are usable in a smoker and what ones I should stay away from. Love the show. Keep up the great work. So Germany, that's pretty cool, huh? Wow, definitely. Uh, uh, guten Tag, uh, uh, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty neat. Well, um, you know, he actually wrote us as well and clarified his questions that he's he's not specifically saying what are the you know five best woods for barbecue. He wants to know uh, is there any place where he can find out specifically which like exotics to avoid, which ones might actually work. Um, and I, you know, I'll sort of give them both answers. And just in case anyone else wants to know, uh, it's pretty helpful to know this stuff. Um, yeah. The most popular ones that I see used are, let me give you a list here. It's alder, apple, cherry, 
And I'm also thinking in terms of woods that we would actually come across in our shops. Um, there's other ones in addition to this, but typically we don't work with them. Um, hickory, mesquite, oak, uh, being red and white oak, pecan, and maple. Um, things that you want to avoid in general. Uh, softwoods, they tend to have a little bit too much uh, resin and uh, you know material in it that just it's nasty for barbecue. Um, stay away from the oily woods. Um, anything like pine, fir, spruce, redwood, cedar, or cypress, probably not a good idea. Um, and of course, of course, no MDF, no ply, nothing man-made. Uh, stay away from that stuff. Um, there's a site that you can go to, and I, I will put it in the show notes if I can get it. It's um, do a Google search for uh, barbecue galore or barbecues galore uh, smoking. Just type those three words in barbecues galore smoking into a search. And they have a wood chart that tells you the most common woods and which meats they actually are more appropriate for. Um, yeah, it's great, great little chart. Very handy. Um, you know, and to, to specifically address the issue of the exotics, how about this? Rule of thumb, don't use any of them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when in doubt, do not use it because you never know what's in there. And I'm sure you're not going to find a, a, you know, a nice set of information or a nice table, you know, showing you what how Paduk smokes or how uh, Wangi smokes. Um, I think those exotics have a high probability of having something in there that when, you know, combusted and, and burned becomes toxic. Right. Um, and, or at the very least, you know, just becomes not very flavorful. So I don't even know that it would be worth the pursuit of some of those exotics, especially given the fact that we have so many tried and true um, hardwoods that we know taste good in barbecue. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Somehow I can't see, uh, like, um, imagine the uh, the native uh, people who are, are collecting like ipe for us, who are like, you know, oh man, let me tell you, the other day we smoked some uh, some ipe and we got the best brisket ever. <laughs> we had some wild boar over that uh, ipe. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, you just want you just want to. I think just to be safe, don't don't even play around. Just stick to the basics, and um, you know, I, I don't think you you'll be disappointed in it. Um, you know, bottom line is it's smoke, so but, you know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting hungry right now. You can probably you can't even you know, the salivation is just starting to roll big well, time. <laughs> you know, it is Sunday, and maybe not every Sunday, but I do try to do it at least a couple Sundays a month, especially during football season. You know what I got going right now? Oh, don't say it. Don't I tell have, me. And it's only it's only Nicole and I here today, so there's not that many people to eat it. But I've got a nine pound brisket in the smoker right now. Oh, you. Oh, yeah, evil man. And you I'm gonna eat. go out there later, and I'm gonna pet it, and I'm gonna caress it with some mop sauce, and uh, we're gonna I'm gonna sit by it and share a beer with it, maybe. Oh, man, right now in, in the Vanderlis household, as we're recording this, it is pizza night. Oh, <laughs> hey, pizza night. Nothing wrong with that. That's for sure. Right. Well, it was pizza night last night too, and it was okay. pizza night the night before that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. A little bit of variety is good, man. That's right. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So that that's the story on the barbecue. Okay. Um, what do we got here? What's uh, next? Let's, see, let's move on to. Uh, we have Greg. Greg. That's what Greg has to say. Here we go. Hey, this is Greg from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I have a question about finishing the inside of a of a chest. I made my son a toy box out of ash, and I used a, uh, a wipe on tried and true is the name brand uh, finish. And my wife wants me to make one for her yarn because she is a knitter. And my my son's toy box, when you leave it closed for a while, when you open it up, you get that waft of finish. And I definitely don't want that for my wife's yarn. I will never hear the end of it. So do you guys have a suggestion of either if I could use that tried and true and maybe top it with polyurethane if that would hold the smell back or use something else to finish the inside? Um, and the same would be true. Uh, I'm going to be building a chest of, you know, a dresser for my wife and I, and uh, I don't want our clothes to reek. You know, do, do you usually finish the inside of your drawers or do you just do the front? So thanks, and I look forward to maybe hearing myself on the internet. Thanks. Bye bye. Well, there you go. We can okay. do one thing for him, and that's put him on the internet. Right. Other than answering, <laughs> you know, being able to answer his question is out of the question. <laughs> right. That, you know, something like that. So finishing the inside of a, a, a anything, you know, we've talked about this before. Yep. And generally, I think we both have agreed that there's not really a need in most situations to actually 
worry about finishing the inside of a chest, especially I think he said it was his son's uh, toy chest that he had finished. Right. Um, you know, I, I could see how maybe you might want to put some sort of protective coating to make it last a little bit longer. But at the same time, it's really going to get dinged up. Um, you know, but if, if it really came down to it and I, and I and I really need to finish the inside Chances are I'm going to want to go with probably something as simple as like a shellac because yeah. it is going to be odorless. Uh, it's going to set up really quickly when it comes down to it. But I think more importantly, that that whole odorless thing is the, sure. the most important one. Um, I know myself, that like uh, any of the, the, the uh, chest of drawers that I've made, just about anything where I do have the ins an inside to quote unquote finish or not finish, I, I leave them pretty much just the way they are because they're not really going to be exposed to the elements that much. Uh, short of like throwing like you know nuts and bolts and everything else on the inside, um, it, it's not going to get dinged up that much. And even if it is, it's the inside. Nobody's really going to see it that much. So right. if you're concerned that your wife's yarn's going to get you know really smelly and then eventually that's going to be in turn taken out on you, and a wife that's angry with knitting needles is not a pretty thing. <laughs> no, that's scary. Definitely. Scary. So yeah, I would I would I say you know what, save yourself some time, do a beautiful job on the outside, and um, not not worry so much about the inside true no that's uh, good suggestions i would add to that that you could also use a water-based product on the inside maybe just a simple water-based poly uh would work just fine but of course my three choices depending on the project water-based shellac or nothing right so that pretty much sums it up and in fact there is a uh article on um the woodnet forum right now coincidentally about this very topic someone has a uh I believe it's like a blanket chest and he asked the same question, and uh, I threw my two cents in there as well. So check that out. You'll hear some other suggestions. But typically, that's usually the going uh, response when you're looking for a odorless um, interior finish like that. But he did mention putting poly on top of the tried and true. And that's not really going to help you very much. The poly is going to have its own wonderful odor that's going to be very similar to the odor of uh, the tried and true, maybe even worse, depending on the poly. So right. um, I, I don't think that's really going to help unless it's water-based poly. Um, and again, of course, shellac or nothing. Right. Absolutely. All right. Now we have another interesting uh, voicemail. It's our last one today. And I figured, you know what? Why not have an official crap on Matt day? <laughs> what? Wait a minute. And, no, you've been talking to my wife I, again. I, Damn it. I know. <laughs> I didn't tell you about this, but uh, today I've declared crap on Matt day. Well, that's and, uh, okay because, you know, I did have that moment yesterday. So, you know, in the yeah. yin-yang universe kind of thing. knock you down a few notches. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and, hey, just for the record, if we ever, you know, and I'm probably opening myself up for problems, if we ever get a criticism on voicemail, um, I promise not to delete it before you find it um, because <laughs> okay. it'll be funny. Okay. I, I, I like when people yell at us and, and make fun of us. All right, here we go. Let's, uh, let's hear what uh, – actually, we don't even know who it is. The caller is Anonymous. Those are the best. Hey, guys. Good show. Just uh, listen to the first episode. Uh, Matt, I'm going to say this as delicately as possible. Please take this in a good way. Could you cut the laughing down to half of what you're doing, please? Love you guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. Now. <laughs> what would you say, Matt? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, you know, the thing that. is, he says, the interesting thing, he said he just listened to his first episode or mm -hmm. the first episode. Is that what he said? Yeah, the, the first episode. So I'm assuming Wood Talk Online, because I know the first episode of Matt's Basement Workshop podcast, <laughs> I was so nervous that the last thing I could do, I barely even breathed. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting. He already is sick of your laugh after one episode. That's, you know, that's, there's a lot of things that people get sick of after the first time they meet me. Laughter is not one of them. They, they're laughing for completely different reasons. I thought, I just, I don't know. I didn't, and it, don't mean to pick on you. I just thought that was funny. No, but you know, the funny thing about that is the fact that when I in turn turn around and I listen to these shows after we post them, I will sit there and just be like, oh God, note to self, stop doing this. Oh, note to self, stop doing that. And then the second we start talking, it's just like right back up. So again, it's I'll just, listen to it. And, it's a habit. You know, what is. are you going to do? You know, and the funny thing was, I think what I've determined, I'm trying to figure out what your laugh sounds like, and I got it. I know exactly what it sounds like. Oh, okay. Let's hear this. You sound like Popeye. I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You go, like that. And again, I don't mean the, you know, it's crap on, it's crap on Matt Day. No, that's um, okay. I, I've got some thick skin, so... <laughs> I'm okay. I'm really okay. Next week, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. This will be an open invitation for anyone who wants to send us a voicemail. 
criticizing me in one way, shape or form, even if you're making fun of my big ears or my messy hair or whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat. Um, okay, it'll be on. crap on Mark phone right now. Where is that? Is and if they're all, if they all come from, uh, from Michigan, uh, I'm going to be awfully suspicious. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I think we have had a few shots at Mark, so we're okay. I think we're, I think we're going <laughs> to level this one out. There's, there's been a couple on there. I think there was what, not so long ago that was kind of like, you know, Hey Matt and Mark and Mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Some of the callers do like to knock me down. All right, uh, let's see what we got going. I think that really just about wraps it up. I think we should probably give them a few um, reminders about our, our little contest that we have going here. Okay, <laughs> we're going to. <laughs> that is funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so what we're going to do is we, of course, have got a great uh, contest going on here for a Highland uh, Wood Slicer Resaw Bandsaw Blade. Now, you know, if, if you're finally catching up with the shows, maybe this is, this is your first one that you're listening to because you heard about these two great guys that are talking all the time about wood and stuff. You mm-hmm. don't know that we're giving this away one every single month to one lucky listener. So if you're interested in getting your name thrown in to win this wood slicer resaw bandsaw blade from Highland Woodworking, send it to wtopromo at gmail.com. Just takes one entry. Once you get your name thrown in there, we you'll it'll stay in. You don't have to enter every month. You just stay in there till. You have a chance to win one, or we uh, take them all and run away. Yeah, so. so that's a great opportunity for a great blade, and I still have not ordered a blade for my big uh, bandsaw, but I got to get in touch with those people and see what I can get from over there. Yeah, it's a very nice blade. I've used mine cool. several times and have been very happy with it. Fantastic. All right, well, you know, the schedule is always a little bit choppy these days between uh, your schedule and my schedule, and I, I think we're going to try and get uh, Tom in on the next one, and okay. uh, we'll just keep rolling through it. It's, um, you know, it's it's that woodworking time of year. That's right. You know, and right now as we're uh, recording this, we're only a, a week or two away from uh, Thanksgiving here in the state. So, Can you uh, believe that? You know, That's crazy. Yeah, so it's a, the year is flying by. We're definitely going to have to uh, it's, we're gonna have to pick it up a little. Well, no, it's uh, heading to the holidays. I'm not picking up anything. I know, exactly. It's time to take a break. What are you talking about? Exactly. Um, you know, I think maybe we should do something where we'll do something holiday-related, whether it's talking about products. or uh, we, we did that last year on the, the Wood Whisperer. We'll do that again this year. But um, it'd be interesting if you and I could take some kind of a holiday gift angle of some sort, maybe just talk about our favorite Christmas gifts that we've received. I, I don't know. Yeah. Something we'll, we'll yeah, talk we about it offline. It, it could be fun. Yeah. Oh, oh we will make it fun. There's we no will make it fun it. and we'll laugh the whole damn time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be careful what you ask for people. When you specifically ask for something not to happen, you're probably going to get the opposite reaction. <laughs> so. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting a laugh track together right now as we speak. So <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> All well, right, until man. next time, uh, everybody be safe in the shop and Matt, I will, uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, Mark, you take care. See ya. See ya.